0: Episode 12. The Protestant Crusade in Holland Edwin Sands graduated from Corpus Christi College Oxford with a B.A. in 1579. His remarkable academic record led to his admission as a Fellow in the same year. Born on 9 December, 1561 in Worcestershire, he was the second son of Edwin Sands, Archbishop of York. In 1582, his father granted him the highly respected position of prebendary in Wetwang, located in York Minster. However, he made the bold decision to forego ordination, eventually deciding to step down from his fellowship and prebendary. William Brewster entered Peterhouse College, Cambridge, as an undergraduate, probably a sizer, in December 1580, aged about 15. Hugo de Balsham, the Bishop of Ely, founded Peter House, the oldest of the Cambridge colleges, in 1284. Brewster spent more than a year at Peterhouse without graduating, with the college records last mentioning him in December 1581. After leaving Cambridge, Brewster spent the first year helping his father manage the stagehorses for their male business in Scrooby. Around 1580, the dissenters and nonconformists began to realize that there was no hope for any real progress toward reform. Although these factions were rooted in Puritan ideology, they sought to push the purification of the church several steps further, and as a result another movement called separatism began to take shape. John Greenwood entered Corpus Christi College, Cambridge on the 18th of March, 1577-1578. As a sizer, Commencing his B.A. studies in 1581, he was born in 1556 in Heptonstall, near Hebden Bridge, Yorkshire. In Cambridge, a sizer was a student financing his studies by undertaking menial tasks within his college. Greenwood would have been deeply impressed with the theological controversies which were just then at their height in the university. Archbishop Whitgift had previously removed Cartwright from his professorship and forbidden him from preaching at Cambridge. However, Cartwright's influence remained strong, and the legacy of Robert Brown persisted. Cartwright was ordained a priest by Thomas Cooper, Bishop of Lincoln, and made deacon by John Aylmer, Bishop of London. As a young man, he was also chaplain to a Puritan nobleman, Lord Robert Rich, at Rochford, Essex. In 1581, Bishop Freak arrested and imprisoned his close friend Robert Brown for unauthorized preaching. Thanks to his extensive network, Greenwood secured the position of vicar at All Saints, Rackheath Norfolk, and a mere five miles away from the surviving Brownist church in Norwich. John Greenwood was one of the leaders of the early English separatists. Whether Robert Brown's teaching, a graduate of the same college, shaped his beliefs is unknown. However, Greenwood held strong Puritan opinions, which would ultimately lead him to a stubborn and unyielding view of separatism. Edmund Campion was born on 25 January 1540 in London, an English Catholic Jesuit priest. After spells in England, Ireland, and France, Campion travelled to Rome on foot, alone and in the guise of a pilgrim, and applied to join the Jesuits. In April 1573, he became the first novice accepted into the Society of Jesus in Rome, and in 1580, he began his Jesuit mission in England. Priest hunters tracked down and arrested Campion while he was conducting an illegal Catholic underground ministry in Anglican England. On the fourteenth of November, fifteen eighty-one, the authorities brought charges against Campion and several other individuals at Westminster they charged him with conspiring in Rome and Reims to incite sedition in the realm and overthrow the queen. On the 20th of November, 1581, Father Edmund Campion and two other men went on trial. Following three hours of listening to their pleadings, the jury members deliberated for an hour before presenting a guilty verdict. the Lord Chief Justice Ray read their sentence. You will go to the place from where you came, there to remain until drawn through the City of London to your execution place. And there you will be hanged, and let down while still alive, your private parts cut off, and your entrails taken out and burnt in your sight. Finally, your heads will be cut off, and your bodies divided into four parts, and disposed of at Her Majesty's pleasure, and may God have mercy on your souls. Campion answered the verdict, announcing, In condemning us, you condemn all your ancestors, all our ancient bishops and kings, all which was once the glory of England, this island of saints and the most devoted child of the see of St. Peter. Campion, aged forty-one, spent his final days in prayer before being taken with the other priests to Tyburn, where all three men were executed on the 1st of December, 1581 by being hanged, drawn, and quartered. Sir Christopher Ray was born in 1524 in Beedale, historically part of Yorkshire's North Riding. He was an English judge and chief justice of the King's Bench. Although Ray never completed his education at Buckingham College, Cambridge, he had the fortune of witnessing the institution's crucial restructuring in 1542. During his time as a student there, he saw the transition of Buckingham College into the prestigious College of St. Mary Magdalen. Ray was admitted on the 6th of February, 1545 as a student at Lincoln's Inn and was called to the bar in January 1550. We will hear of the Lord Chief Justice Ray and his actions again in the future. In 1886, Pope Leo XIII pronounced Campion blessed, and in 1970 he was elevated to the rank of one of the 40 Catholic Martyrs of England and Wales by Pope Paul VI. Stonerhurst College in Clitheroe, Lancashire, is a renowned independent Catholic day and boarding school. With a rich history dating back to its establishment in 1593, it holds the distinction of being the oldest Jesuit school in the world. One of the college's notable features is its display of Campion's execution ropes, which are housed in glass tubes. These ropes are prominently showcased on the altar of St. Peter's Church during the Mass that commemorates Campion's feast day. Stonerhurst College has famous former students like Conan Doyle and J.R.R. Tolkien. During the 16th century, Berry St Edmund was a prosperous market town with a jail, a hospital, almshouses, two large parish churches, and after 1539, a large abandoned abbey. During a period of unrest commonly referred to as the Berry Stir Disorder, the city council of Bury St. Edmund decided to draw attention to a long-standing and contentious issue involving two individuals, John Coppin and Elias Thacker, currently held in custody. The Stirs were a series of religious conflicts and disturbances that revolved around the town of Bury St. Edmund. These conflicts involved various individuals, including Edmund Freke, the Bishop of Norwich, the Judges of the Eastern Assize as well as members of the local clergy, townspeople, and villagers. While John Coppin, Elias Thacker, and Thomas Gibson, a bookbinder from Bury, remained imprisoned, they were formally charged by the authorities for violating the ecclesiastical laws of the realm, and conspiring to distribute books written by Brown and Harrison. On the 4th of June, 1583, Sir Christopher Wray, the Lord Chief Justice, presented the individuals to the summer assizes court. Thomas Gibson was found guilty and fined for orchestrating the vandalism of the royal arms. Nevertheless, he was cleared of providing the prisoners with literature and subsequently set free. Judge Ray succeeded in obtaining a confession from the remaining two men. They agreed that Her Majesty governs in civil matters, but they refused to say anything more, even after an extended period of questioning, which was not surprising. Considering they were ardent supporters of Brown and his teachings on Congregationalism. Their original offense had solely consisted of circulating seditious books, however, Judge Ray, annoyed by their admissions, ruled that the punishment of death would be their fate for denying the Queen's supremacy. The court sentenced both men to hang at Tay Fen, just outside the line of Berry's ancient wall. Upon receiving his sentence, Thacker confidently addressed Judge Ray, stating, My Lord, your face we fear not, and for your threats we care not. For his outburst, the judge ordered Thacker's immediate removal from the court, and he was hanged at the conclusion of the day's legal proceedings. Copping soon followed him, hanged on the 5th of June, the following day. After their execution, Lord Chief Justice Ray claimed that many in the town supported the aims of Copping and Thacker and that the example he made of them would act as a deterrent. In 1583, William Dennis, a preacher with separatist beliefs, was executed in the nearby town of Thetford. By the end of 1583, the judicial authorities had succeeded in dissipating the reforming zeal within Bury St. Edmund. Coppin, Thacker, and Dennis later received recognition as among the six early martyrs of Congregationalism. In 1904, a memorial was erected on Whiting Street in Bury St. Edmund to honor John Copping and Elias Thacker. The memorial is located in the grounds of the United Reformed Church. It is felt that that bury St. Edmund played a pivotal role in the history of the Magna Carta. One chronicler relates that in 1214, a group of barons met in St. Edmund's Abbey Church and swore an oath to compel King John to accept the Charter of Liberties, a proclamation of Henry I. It was the direct precursor to the Magna Carta a year later. Meanwhile while others were being arrested and hanged for selling his books, Brown, the well-connected writer of the publications, remained at large. Many people have often referred to Brown himself as the father of Congregationalism. Power is in the hands of Archbishop John Whitgift from 1583 to 1604. On the 14th of August, 1583, Queen Elizabeth appointed John Whitgift as Archbishop of Canterbury. Replacing Edmund Grindal, who had been under house arrest after disagreeing with Queen Elizabeth over prophesying, and had sadly died whilst still in office. John Whitgift was noted for his hospitality and ostentatious habits, serving as Archbishop of Canterbury from 1583 until his death in 1604. The Yorkshire village of Whitgift, which is adjacent to the River Ouse and close to the port of Hull, is where the Whitgift family is said to have its roots. John Whitgift, a vocal opponent of Thomas Cartwright, held the belief that church governance was a rite or practice, and as such was not essential to the Christian faith. Whitgift also argued that as England was a monarchy, it was right that the church adopt an episcopal style of government. In 1581, John Udall graduated with a BA from Trinity College, Cambridge. In 1583, he took holy orders and became the curate of Kingston-upon-Thames under the absentee vicar, Stephen Chatfield. There, he gained a reputation as a preacher and a convinced Puritan doubter of the scriptural justification of the episcopacy. Despite his reputation and influential patrons, the local bishop and clergy believed that John Udall's insistence on a literal observance of scriptural precepts, infringed on the orthodoxy of the Church of England, which caused them considerable concern and resentment. After Queen Elizabeth's unsuccessful proposal for his resignation, Archbishop Grindle's sequestration remained unaffected. Nevertheless, towards the end of 1582, he was reinstated after finally offering an apology to the Queen. However, his health was deteriorating, and on the 6th of July, 1583, Archbishop of Canterbury Edmund Grindal passed away while preparing for his retirement. He was laid to rest in Croydon Minster which serves as the parish and civic church of the London Borough of Croydon. The people of the Middle Saxon period had established this medieval church as a Minster church where a group of clergy lived a communal life, taking pastoral responsibility for the surrounding district. The Domesday Book, published in 1086, references this church. The Domesday Book is the oldest record in the National Archives, containing information about 11th century England. King William I sent inspectors to local courts to ask fixed questions about land, residence and livestock. Compiled in 1085 to6, it reveals that 200 Normans now controlled the land once owned by 2,000 Saxons, and introduces a new taxation system. In its final medieval form, the church was mainly a perpendicular-style structure of the late 14th and early 15th century. The west door is adorned with the coats of arms of archbishops Courtney and Chichel, who played significant roles in its construction during the 14th and 15th centuries. William Courtney, who lived from around 1342 to the 31st of July, 1396, served as the Archbishop of Canterbury from 1381 until his death in 1396. Prior to this role, he held the positions of Bishop of Hereford and Bishop of London. Henry Chichell, who served as the Archbishop of Canterbury from 1414 to 1443, left a lasting impact on its history. Chichell held the position of Canterbury Archbishop for almost 29 years, making his tenure the longest in the history of that position. In addition to this, he is also recognized for founding the prestigious All Souls College in Oxford. Both Courtney and Chichell were interred at Canterbury Cathedral. Croydon Minster holds the remains of six archbishops of Canterbury. In 1583, John Smythe, William Brewster's uncle, was the mayor of Hull. At this time, Hull was one of England's busiest ports dealing with cargo from Russia in the north to the Canary Isles in the south and funding whaling expeditions to the Arctic. It was a seaport with all the vices that come with it. To establish order in the town, Hull hired Puritan ministers who strictly and diligently enforced the civic and religious regulations and standards of conduct set forth by the city authorities. During Mayor Smythe's term in 1583, Hull chose Francis Walsingham as its high steward. The fieriest Protestant member of the Privy Council. He was also the Queen's Secretary of State and a man who strongly supported English military interventions to aid Holland. This position made him Hull's supporter and its patron at Elizabeth's court. In return, Hull paid Walsingham a fee and accepted his influence over the town's social and commercial affairs. Around a year after he departed from Cambridge, 18 year old William Brewster, still a country boy, became a junior assistant on the staff of William Davison, Walsingham's most trusted subordinate. Walsingham seemingly extended a favour to the mayor of Hull, by securing a job for his nephew in gratitude for his appointment as high steward. His new employer, Davison, now in his fifties, came from a modest background, owing his advancement to merit. Having previously successfully carried out challenging missions and married advantageously, Elizabeth had previously sent William Davison to Scotland as her envoy, his various assignments were to communicate with Mary Queen of Scots and to secure an audience with King James VI. Tactful and helpful, Davison worked closely with the Queen's agent, Robert Bose, until September 1584. At the time, both Davison and Walsingham had Puritan leanings. In 1583, Robert Harrison released a little treatise on the first verse of the 122nd Psalm, a manuscript discussing ecclesiastical governance, as well as another publication titled Three Forms of Catechisms, addressing the fundamental aspects of faith. Gaining in popularity, the writings of Brown and Harrison started to be sold in England, resulting in a royal proclamation banning them. By 1583, Robert Brown had earned the nickname Trouble Church Brown. Later that year, he left Zealand with a small group of followers and travelled to Scotland. Meanwhile, Robert Harrison led his congregation in Middleborough. Brown and his followers preached throughout Scotland before being summoned by the church authorities in Edinburgh. Brown found himself imprisoned, but was eventually set free as a result of a conflict arising between the secular and religious institutions. To ensure his safety, he returned to England. In the 1584 parliament, Puritans attempted to introduce legislation replacing the Book of Common Prayer with the Geneva Book of Order and to further the influence of Presbyterianism. Their efforts failed. John Penry graduated with his BA on the 21st of March, 1584. He was born in 1563 in Brecknockshire, Mid-Wales, on a farm near the village of Llangammarch. He left his native Wales in 1580. Probably a Roman Catholic, enrolling at Peterhouse, Cambridge, where the future Martinist target, Andrew Pern, was the college master. It was not long before he converted to Protestantism with Puritan tendencies. After graduating, Penry disappears from the college records for a year, probably spending time in Northampton, at the time a significant center of Puritan activity. Over the next few years, Penry would join a Presbyterian classes meeting in Northampton. The presbytery, or classis, governs groups of local churches through a higher assembly of elders. In 1584, John Udall was granted an MA degree by Trinity College, Cambridge, where he acquired a practical understanding of Hebrew through his studies. John Penry was one of his undergraduate friends. William the Silent, also known as William of Orange was the prominent leader of the Dutch Revolt against the Spanish Habsburgs that set off the Eighty Years' War from 1568 to 1648. The Dutch Revolt resulted in the formal independence of the United Provinces of the Netherlands in 1581. The Catholic, Balthasar Gerard, a subject and supporter of Philip II of Spain, assassinated William at his home in Delft, Holland, on 10 July, 1584. The authorities managed to capture Gerard before he could escape severely torturing him before finally bringing him to trial on the 13th of July His sentence was to be an execution brutal even by the standards of that time the magistrates ordered Gerard's right hand to be severed with a hot iron with his flesh torn from his bones in six separate places then quartered and disembowelled while still alive then his heart torn from his chest and thrown in his face and his head finally severed Antwerp, with its Calvinist zealots, was the main point of origin of the Dutch revolt against the Spanish invasion. After a siege lasting from July 1584, the Spanish forces forced Antwerp to surrender on the 17th of August, 1585. At that time, the city was the busiest port in Western Europe. However, the Dutch fleet, still on the river Scheldt, was kept in position, blockading the city and denying Spain's forces access to the sea thereby cutting it off from international trade and resupply. According to the surrender agreement's provisions, all Protestants had full years to settle their affairs and leave Antwerp. As a result, many inhabitants decided to migrate north, especially to Amsterdam, which was to become the capital of the Dutch Republic. This migration event would lay the commercial foundation for the Northern United Provinces' subsequent Dutch Golden Age. The Anglo-Dutch alliance was the cornerstone of English foreign policy. Its primary aim was to keep the Dutch frontier defenses intact against the increasingly aggressive Catholic Spain. However, Holland was a country split by dissent at the time, a violent power struggle going on between the Dutch factions. After a lengthy debate, in order to prevent Spain from occupying and controlling the entire eastern side of the North Sea, Elizabeth finally agreed that England must come to the aid of the Dutch rebels. With the queen authorizing a naval war, Drake attacked the Spanish fleet in the Caribbean. Whilst simultaneously, an English expeditionary force of seven thousand men under the command of the Earl of Leicester was to go to the relief of the Dutch Republic. On the afternoon of the third of September, fifteen eighty-five, William Davison disembarked at the port of Flushing or Vlissingen in the Dutch province of Zeeland. Arriving with him was William Brewster, who was about to see close up the Protestant crusade in Holland. At that time, the strategic Dutch island of Vulcan had two main towns, the coastal port of Flushing, and eight miles inland, the commercial trading town of Middelburg. Between them, they controlled the long sea approaches to the port of Antwerp. When Davidson's diplomatic party arrived in Flushing, the invading Spanish troops were said to be only 35 miles away. Davidson promptly journeyed to The Hague, where he officially signed the agreement to temporarily transfer the towns of Flushing and Brill also known as Brielle, to the English defenders. These fortified towns were of utmost importance as they provided a secure haven for incoming English troops, shielded from any naval threats by the English navy. Following closely behind Davison, the Earl of Leicester arrived with a substantial English military presence. In the 17th century, the Dutch port of Vlishingen, on the island of Volkern, was the main harbour for trading ships of the Dutch East India Company. Vlissingen played a vital role as a shipyard and harbour due to its strategic location between the Scheldt River and the North Sea. It was where the Dutch Navy docked their ships. In the 17th century, it was an important enough town to have acquired its English name. Vlissingen was historically called Flushing in English. Flushing in the USA was originally a Dutch colonial village founded in 1645 and is now part of Queens, New York City. It was first called Vlissingen after the town in Holland. The English settlers who also came to live in the New York village shortened the name to Evisling and by 1657 they began to call it by the English name of Flushing. In 1585, Francis Johnson obtained his MA at Christ's College, having previously been elected a Cambridge fellow before Lady Day in 1584 and graduating with a BA in 1581. Born around 1562 in Richmond, he was the eldest son of John Johnson, a previous mayor of the Yorkshire town. In a direct response and challenge to Archbishop John Whitgift's increasing push for conformity, clergyman John Field proposed organizing the Puritans in England into a hierarchy of Presbyterian synods, with a decrease in the formalism and gestures in public prayer and a greater emphasis on preaching. As a result, Field drew legal sanction again with his action, and they barred him from preaching. However, the punishment was less severe than they had sought since Field had friends close to Elizabeth on the Queen's Council. In the 1580s, religious life in England had reached an all-time low, as even after four decades of Henry's dissolution of the monasteries, over 80% of English congregations had never heard a church sermon. Attempting to correct this, the church made creating clergy members the primary objective of the universities. But by the end of Elizabeth's reign, achieving that goal would still require additional qualified preachers to fill even a quarter of the vacancies. Richard Bancroft was made Doctor of Divinity in 1585 following his numerous church appointments and publications. Around September 1585, Greenwood finally and publicly embraced Brownism. Renouncing his ordination as wholly unlawful, he resigned from All Saints and travelled to London to join the Underground Church. The Anglican church authorities questioned Greenwood upon his arrival but did not subject him to any further action. The church met in fields in summer and houses in winter from 5 a.m., sometimes worshipping all day and allowing any member to preach, rejecting written liturgy as babbling in the Lord's sight. According to a visitor, in their prayer, one speaks and the rest groan sob or sigh, as if crying. Robert Harrison, the leader of the Dutch Middleburg congregation, died in 1585, aged 45. At the time, Robert Brown was also ill, sick in both body and mind. On 12 February 1585, Richard Clifton returned home as an ordained minister from Cambridge University. He was born in 1553 near the Nottinghamshire village of Babworth. Instituted to the Vicarage of Marnham, a civil parish in the Bassett Law district of Nottinghamshire. In 1585, Thomas Cartwright, like many others, faced the challenging choice of coming back to England. Returning without permission would always be dangerous, as he continued to be highly critical of the established church. In the event, and fairly quickly, his case was taken up in Parliament, which resulted in his short imprisonment. In the House of Commons, Sir Peter Wentworth and George Carlton served as the main representatives for Cartwright their primary focus in Parliament was to advocate for further reformation of the Church along Presbyterian lines. George Carlton, born in 1529, was a lawyer, landowner, and member of Parliament with Puritan sympathies. Carlton believed that hard-line Protestants such as himself were the Queen's only loyal subjects. And therefore, these servants of God should be concentrated close to London, held as a militia, ready to protect the regime from Catholic subversion. Sir Peter Wentworth, born in 1529, was a notable figure in the English Parliament and a prominent leader among the Puritans. In 1576 Wentworth delivered a speech advocating for parliamentary freedom of speech. As a result, Queen Elizabeth imprisoned him in the Tower of London but later released him. This event marked a significant shift in the politics of the English Parliament, symbolizing the beginning of a new era. In 1585, Cartwright was chosen as the master of the Earl of Leicester's Hospital at Warwick, following his release from a brief imprisonment in the fleet. During his tenure, he implemented new hospital regulations that placed a strong emphasis on preaching, personal piety, and the authority of scripture. Robert Dudley, the Earl of Leicester, was the founder of this famous hospital, purchasing the premises and extensive gardens for twelve retired soldiers and their wives to use as a home. The hospital, a collection of superb half-timbered medieval buildings, was more of an almshouse than a hospital. In February 1585, a Welsh courtier, William Parry, was convicted of plotting to assassinate Elizabeth. The court condemned Parry to death by hanging, drawing, and quartering, executing him on the 2nd of March in Westminster Palace Yard. Although her agent, Thomas Morgan, was implicated, the authorities did not believe Mary Stuart was involved. In January 1585, Elizabeth appointed Sir Amy as Powlett, a Protestant and fanatical Puritan as Mary Queen of Scots jailer, replacing Sir Ralph Sadler, whom she felt had given Mary far too much liberty. Over Christmas, Powlett moved her to the moated manor house at Chartley, Leicestershire. William Cecil felt strongly that Elizabeth's indecision regarding Mary Stuart was maddening. In his view, Mary had to be executed as she had become a rallying cause for Catholics, playing into the hands of the Spanish and the Pope. By the end of 1585, Walsingham's network of spies had shown that Jesuit missionaries had set up a secret and highly effective underground system transporting and aiding Catholic priests arriving to and from the continent.